I know at some time I have probably mentioned my Aunt Fritz to you. Her real name was Alfreda, but was always known as Fritz or Fritzy. She was the only girl with seven brothers. And she was kind of in the middle, but she always wanted a sister. And she used to tell me stories about her growing up as the only girl. And they lived in town, and she would sometimes look over and see the girl next door playing with her dolls. She'd have them outside. And this neighbor girl was older than her, and after a while she didn't play with her dolls anymore. She'd kind of outgrown them. And one day my aunt came home from school to find all the girls' dolls on her family's porch. The girl had seen my aunt watching, wishing she had a doll. She didn't need to do that. Some of the dolls may have been special to her, but she wanted to do something nice for my aunt. Why do I tell you that story? There may very well be someone watching you longingly, coveting, if you will, wishing that they had what you have. It might be a neighbor or a co-worker, uh, somebody that goes to worship with you. It may be something large that they wish for. They, they wish they had your your car or truck, or they, they wish you, that they had your, your house or your position uh, at work or in church or in the community. And there's some things we're not able to share. Okay, but one thing we can always share is ourselves, our time, our interest in someone. And it really won't cost much, but it may be worth a whole lot more than you ever imagined. Let's pray. Father, we just give you thanks for your word. And Lord, as we look at uh, some stuff that we've heard, maybe time and time again, Lord, help us to understand what you want to get us to get from this today. So, Father, we just open your word and help us to open our hearts, our mind, and our eyes as your Holy Spirit guides us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, you may have expected me to use one of the familiar hymns about Easter morning. Christ the Lord is risen today. Up from the grave he arose. He lives in the garden. Christ is alive. You know, they're all great songs, and they all have wonderful messages. But I want you to listen to this message. Were you there when he rose up from the grave? Were you there when he rose up from the grave? Ah, sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when he rose up from the grave? Now, some hymnals didn't have that verse. Okay, but to me, that's one of the greatest verses of the song because the other three, four, five verses uh, have him dying and in the tomb and, and all, but only this one version uh, has him rising up from the grave. So let me share with you something else that you maybe haven't heard before. It's a chorus of a song called The Death of Death. Okay, it was the death of death when you rose to life, when the dark surrendered to the risen light. Oh, praise the Savior, Jesus Christ. It was the death of death and our victory. So, Jesus is risen from the dead. Amen. Well, praise the Lord for that. Well, you may 
think that I should have done this message last week or maybe two weeks ago. And you might be right, but we should celebrate Jesus' resurrection daily. I mean, there's never a wrong time to celebrate that Christ is alive. So all four of the gospel writers give an account of resurrection morning. No two are identical. None are wrong. Just how they saw or heard things. So I've chosen Luke's gospel to share this old, old story. Okay, Luke 24, beginning in the first verse. And I, I took this from the message, so it may sound new to some of you. But uh, that's maybe one reason why I chose that version. And Eugene Peterson tells us this. At the crack of dawn on Sunday, the women came to the tomb carrying the burial spices they had prepared. They found the entrance stone rolled back from the tomb, so they walked in. But once inside, they couldn't find the body of the Master Jesus. They were puzzled, wondering what to make of this. Then, out of nowhere, it seemed, two men, light cascading over them, stood there. The women were awestruck and bowed down in worship. The men said, Why are you looking for the living one in a cemetery? He is not here, but raised up. Remember how he told you when you were still back in Galilee that he had to be handed over to sinners, to be killed on a cross, and in three days rise up? Then they remembered Jesus' words. They left the tomb and broke the news to all of, all of uh, broke the news of all of this to the eleven and the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, the mother of James, and the other women with them kept telling these things to the apostles, but the apostles didn't believe a word of it, thought they were making it all up. But Peter jumped to his feet and ran to the tomb. He stooped to look in and saw a few grave clothes. That's all. He walked away puzzled, shaking his head. Now, we need to remember that the testimony of women at this time didn't carry much weight. Well, what else stands out? Okay, after the angels had spoken to them, then they remembered his words, the light came on. And Jesus had told the disciples several times what was going to be happening. But they didn't understand. No matter how clearly he said it, they still just didn't get it. Listen to what Jesus told them in Matthew 20, verse 19. Jesus says, We're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death, and they will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. Now, Jesus could not have made it any clearer than that. I mean, that's just exactly what happened. And he was letting them know, you know, weeks, days, weeks before. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they just didn't get it. Now, Mark and Luke tell a similar story. But something to note in Luke 24, 12, it says, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. 
Now the disciples were hiding. They were concerned for their lives. But yet Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Peter was willing to risk arrest and possible death himself. Did he do it because of the denials of Jesus? Did he do it because if Jesus' body was gone, they could be in more trouble, all the more reason to be hiding, and a better chance of arrest or more, figuring that the disciples would maybe be blamed for the body not being there. Now, I want to look at more evidence of the resurrected Christ. Depending on your source, 10 to 13 times Jesus appeared to the people. And, you know, like I said, it depends on your source. Uh, Some uh, versions of the Bible spell it out pretty clear. Some not so much. Some of the Gospels are a little clearer on just what happened or when it happened or where it happened. But both Mark and John tell us that Mary Magdalene saw Jesus in the garden. Matthew says it was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, uh, possibly the mother of James and Joses. Luke just says it was the women. Um, But they saw him in the garden where his body had been laid in the tomb and yet they saw him there alive. So secondly, then comes Luke's account of the two men that encountered Jesus. Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 13. I'll give you the Reader's Digest version of this. It says, These men were on their way to Emmaus from Jerusalem, about seven miles. Okay, so it'll probably take them yeah, two and a half hours or so. Well, Jesus, and he didn't allow the men to recognize him, all of a sudden he began walking with them, and he asked them, you know, well, what are you talking about here? And one of the men, Cleopas, asked Jesus why he didn't know what had happened in Jerusalem. They told him about Jesus, the prophet. Three days ago he'd been crucified. The women went to the tomb that day, and Jesus' body was gone, and the angels told them that he was alive. Peter and possibly John went to the tomb to confirm the story. Well, then Jesus schooled them on what the prophets had had to say about what would happen and how it would happen. Now, this is Luke 24, verses 30 to 32, the end of that story. It says, When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while while he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? The two men, they headed back to Jerusalem another two and a half hours. Probably that trip only took them about two hours, maybe less, okay, because they wanted to get back and tell the disciples what had happened. They had seen the Lord. They had talked to the Lord. You know, the Lord ate a meal with them 
and broke bread with them. So they needed to get back to Jerusalem and tell the disciples, Jesus is alive. Now, there's no details, but Luke 24, 33 to 35 goes on like this. They, the men from Emmaus, uh, got up and returned at once to Jerusalem, where they found the eleven and those with them, assembled together and saying, It's true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Okay, it says, as appeared to Simon. Now we assume that they're talking about Peter, but there's no mention of this meeting uh, as to when or where it was, but it would have had to have been, you know, sometime on Resurrection Day. Okay, the fourth time that Jesus was seen was when he appeared to ten disciples. Okay, John 20, verses 19 and 20, tells us this. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now it tells us that the doors were locked for fear. They didn't understand. Not aware of the power that was going to be coming to them. Well, going on in John 20, 21 and 22, it says again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, that did not make a lot of sense to them. You know, I mean, they heard Jesus talk about the Holy Spirit before, but, you know, this just kind of didn't add up. But in, in a short time, it would. Well, Jesus appeared again to the disciples, not 10, but 11 this time. Okay, because Thomas wasn't there when the 10 saw Jesus before, and he was not going to believe it. Okay, John 20, 25. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into the side, I will not believe. Well, it was about a week later, and Thomas was there, and they had the doors all locked again, and Jesus shows up again. John 20, 27. Then Jesus said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said, My Lord and my God. Jesus didn't want any doubters among his disciples. They had seen and heard and knew the truth, and they couldn't be doubting what was to come. Well, staying in John 21, Peter, he wants to go fishing, and six others join him, and they catch zero fish. Okay, so they're coming in in the morning, 
and they see this guy on the shore. He's got a fire going. And, you know, as they get in a little closer, John says, it's the Lord. And Peter, you know, dives in the water and he takes off as fast as he can to get to the shore. And the others come and they join him. And Jesus says, hey, why don't you bring some of your fish over that you caught? And they knew it was Jesus. Well, in Mark and Matthew, we have Jesus in Galilee meeting with the disciples where he had told them to go. And this is where he gave them and us what we call the Great Commission. Now, there's three parts to it. First, Jesus was reminding them who he is. Second, he's telling them what they need to be doing. And lastly, he's letting them know, I'll be with you. Okay, I will be with you for forever. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, you know, I'm going to be there with you. Well, number eight, I want to skip to maybe an unlikely passage, at least this isn't where I would think we would find evidence of the resurrected Jesus. But Paul gives us this in 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 3. Now, Paul is explaining the gospel message to the believers in Corinth. And this is what he says. For what I have received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and then he appeared to Peter, and then the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Well, Paul wrote this around 55 AD, so it's about 30 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus, 30, 32, 35 wherever. But, you know, it had been a while. So he's saying, you know, some of them had died, you know, when he says they've fallen asleep. But, you know, some of those people are, are still around. So he's passing on what has been told to him and what he knows to be true. More than 500, he said. Now, it may have been the time of the Great Commission in Matthew 28, but we're not told when that happens. So we're not sure because this is the only place that it talks about Jesus appearing to 500. Now, this appearance is found following the last one in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 7. It says, Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. James, hmm, well, it's not John's brother because he's listed separate from the apostles, okay, because Paul wouldn't have said he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. He probably would have said he appeared to James and the rest of the apostles, okay, so it's a separate James, and it's believed to be Jesus' half-brother, James. Now, 
James did not become a believer until after the resurrection. Okay, if you remember, you know, him and his mother and the rest of the clan said, oh, Jesus is crazy. You know, we, we're going to come to get him and take care of him. Now, the last, excuse me, number 10 that I have, Luke the physician is the author of Luke and also the book of Acts. So we really need to connect those two writings in order to get an accurate description of this appearance of Jesus Christ. In Luke 24, beginning in verse 50, it says, When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he meaning Jesus, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Okay, so let me add to that. Acts chapter 1, verse 3, and then verses 6 to 9. Okay, verse 3 says, After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Okay, now beginning in verse 6. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After this, he was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. The ascension had to happen in their presence. They needed to know what happened to Jesus. Not that, you know, well, we haven't seen Jesus in weeks. I wonder where he is. You know, that he couldn't just disappear. It had to be witnessed in his disappearance. Well, it tells us in verse 11 about two angels that showed up. And they said, men of Galilee... Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. Okay, so this is a foretelling of Jesus' next appearance on earth. Okay, the, the last one that I have, number 11, like I said, 10 to 13 is the norm. Uh, the last one I have is the appearance of Jesus to Paul on the Damascus Road. I should say the appearance of Jesus to Saul because he was still Saul at the time. Well, Bible scholars differ on whether Jesus, or excuse me, Paul actually saw Jesus or if he just heard him. Now, Acts 9, 7 tells us this. The men traveling with Saul heard stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Only Paul and Jesus know. One thing I do know, that the birth, the life, the death, the resurre resurrection of Jesus changed the world. 
That's why he's loved. And that's why he's hated. Let me give you a chorus from another contemporary song. The finished work of Christ. So I'll sing your praise all of my days. Your blood flowing down like oceans of grace. My sin swept away. I'm brought back to life here in the finished work of Christ. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks for this word that we have that we know is true. Uh, we don't have to doubt any of it. We know that uh, it's been written by uh, some people that knew Jesus personally, uh, had a relationship with him. And so, Lord, we know that uh, the word is true and we thank you for that. Lord, let's not just have heard a just another Easter message, you know, kind of the same as last year and the year before. Lord, let it be a message that's maybe going to open our eyes and help us to be looking for Jesus to come again because your word tells us he is and your word tells us you better be ready because when he comes, there's going to be no second guessing, you know, whether or not you should should go. So, Father, I just um, I just praise you. And, Lord, if anybody may be listening to this that doesn't know you, doesn't have a relationship with you, Father, I just uh, lift them up. I just pray for your blessing on them. And, Father, help them to know that, that no matter where they are in life, old or young, sick or healthy, you know, a, a person that's really just a, a good person, or someone that's, you know, not a very good person, that, Lord, you're ready, willing, and able to accept them and have a relationship with them. And, Father, just help them to pray like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior. And Jesus is that Savior. Thank you for loving me that much. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to be the person you need me to be, that I can live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.